Hello and welcome. So, uh, along with our season two, we're also going to be doing some filler, filler episodes. Basically, time-wise, we found that trying to always organise to get another person down here and all the wine and everything else organised becomes a nightmare. And we get thirsty. We do get very thirsty. So, uh, there's going to be a few <laughs> more episodes with us either interviewing winemakers or talking about little separate regions or just stuff that we want to chat about when we get together. And we're going to be putting out there as well, a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit shorter, hopefully. <laughs> and if it's just us two, they can't tell us no. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, They can't control us. We can't be controlled. You won't hold us down. What's the theme today, Jonathan? So, theme today, we're going to talk about uh, mainly ferment and Tokai and Hungary. Um, mm-hmm. I thought we will spread out into a few other little bits about it, but it's definitely a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, it's an exciting region, it's a region I really like, uh, or a country I really like as well. I think it's yeah, part of that think... whole emerging block of uh, Eastern Eastern block of um, countries that are coming out with, you know, Romania is a good example. I'm obviously importing stuff from Slovenia, which we'll probably talk about at some other point as well. Um, I think there's a lot of countries around there that are showing real promise with great wines from old terroir and it's stuff that's really kind of coming through in the market now. Yeah, I think it's what's so interesting now. I mean, uh, ferment is still obviously is an indigenous variety to Hungary, but yet, you know, it's been around for such a long time and people are drinking it all the time but they don't realise because they're obviously only drinking it in the, the sweet format right um, and I think it's only in the last few years that I've, I've been noticing that there's been so much better examples of dry ferment no? Would you not yeah. agree? No no definitely I think um, there's been definitely some leading lights in there um, so this will explain a bit what ferment is for those who the uninitiated <laughs> so ferm- here's, your, here's your lesson it's uh, delicious yeah it's delicious ferment is the um, main grape variety you find in Tokai Tokai being one of the most famous sweet wines found around the world it was the sort of wine that's put on the map in um, Hungary and it's sort of one of those wines that kind of disappeared for a period and then came back uh, after you know Iron Curtain all of that Gorbachev and all that, all that fun. And what's the region that it comes from that we like the name of? So um, <laughs> the, the main region is still Tokai, obviously, is yeah. the main, main town. But next to that, and what we're going to start talking about, especially when it comes to dry wines, is uh, Mad. Mad. M-A-D. Um, and I actually, I actually sell a producer called Mad, who obviously was smart enough to jump on that bandwagon. Um, and so what's happened is, as you've had the sort of rise of, the, the sort of re-rise of Tokai coming through, a lot of that down to Hugh Johnson, which is quite important what we're drinking now, because we're drinking the dry ferment from Royal Tokai. Yeah. Um, and Royal Tokai is part owned by Hugh Johnson, who, for those who don't know as well, has been very prolific in the wine world. He's the original man behind the, the wine atlas that nearly every person learning about wine should should have at home somewhere. It just features that in and just one of my last posts on Instagram. Exactly, like one of my the absolute the go-to, go-to book. book. Go-to you, book. you need it, and and not just uh, for somebody beginning wine. Actually, I, for I the rest of your life. But, I mean, but for me, no matter what, I love going back to it. If it's such a it's such a well laid out wine, yeah. uh, what, wine, wine, yeah. wine book, yeah. wine atlas. You know, for every every map. What I, I always said to people, you've not only got the map. You've got labels of some of the top producers, so you can kind of there's it's, things it's, you can even go and try, and then obviously it's really, detailed it's, it's information. It's really interesting how it's evolved over time as well, because yeah. you know, Hugh Johnson, like anyone, in fully admits he has his biases towards players like Bordeaux and this, but he's obviously strengthened the team behind it. Chancellor Robinson's now come on, and I'm sure with her host of team. So the book has only got bigger and bigger, but it hasn't lost any of its original writing. And you know, when you reread every time you do a new edition, you reread bits. We're on the seventh edition now, seventh aren't we? Edition, right, yeah. which actually is really interesting as well. Um, I remember uh, grabbing a book. The, sec- the second edition I have the seventh and the second edition as well is just so little new world yeah it's, um, uh, but it shows, know, the di- I think, and it I think, shows just so how things are changed no, in no England as well yeah, whereas it's, now it's we really get a whole page which is I lovely I think even when you like sixth to seventh like the map of England is so much crapper than the map you get for all the other countries <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting also something you know, people who study like we do seeing what you know those lucky diploma and, and uh, 
quarter master middle age students had to study several years ago the difference in level between then and now is uh, huge in what we have to learn there's just so many more regions but and again hungry I, so I would imagine well. back then really all they were talking about then was sweet so, wine with tokai would have been everything tokai to- and so, sweet tokai I mean ferment really sort of dry ferment come along A because obviously um, the sort of two reasons the dry wines came along was ferment being the main grape varietal it turns out you can make great dry wine from it they just weren't telling anyone about it mm. and the other reason obviously is because palate and taste have changed while people are still drinking sweet tokai the definitely we've seen especially in the western world I wouldn't say globally because the Chinese market are much more into sweet wines than we are <laughs> um, but what we're seeing is this is definitely a focus towards dry um, and I think you know, there was hungry and smart to start realising this and they started pushing towards seeing what they could do with the dry grapes um, Ferment has definitely led the way I think for hungry and dry wines though we're seeing a lot of other emerging grape varieties coming through which we'll talk about a bit in a minute mm. um, and obviously it kind of carries that Tokai name as well so you can put Tokai dry ferment on there uh, which has really helped obviously then the region Mad has come out as well which have a lot of the best Tokai producers are based in a lot of the best ferment producers uh, Shrepshi if you ever catch him he's probably the mm, showing they have some but also the difference is he commands the price so it just shows that they've already proven with some great brand leaders they can command a good price for it I mean Shepsi you're looking at a good on what 20, 30 pound I thought retail if not maybe more for his dry ferments and they it's a great great variety it's very early budding like rape like rape like ripening. Oh God! Let's not let's not go on <laughs> to that, that subject. Was, that was that was not. not it happens with John sometimes. Um, I apologise. Not that doesn't happen with John sometimes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> That's taking it actually genuine, and the crowd goes, goes silent. silent. Shh, shh. This is meant to be like a really good educational one, and we've already fucked it up. You um, fucked it up by bringing rape into I, the conversation. <laughs> Can you? You literally the one time that we thought like we'll we actually be educational. We're doing, we're doing two episodes back to back now, and I like we've done the educational one after the fun one, and so now like, <laughs> you know, we're already half cut. Okay, um, come on, get back. So to wait, it. so Royal Tokai started uh, producing its dry ferment back in 2003. Interesting year to do that in, especially very warm. But I think it was probably a year where they struggled with botrytis for the the main ferment. So for the main uh, Tokai, so it probably also makes sense back then. Um, ferment itself is a early budding, light ripening grape, so it does take a bit of time to wait, which obviously why it's good for botrytis. Mm. But also, you, when these now warmer years, again with climate change, it's probably coming easier and easier to get that ripening. Um, I think it's a really exciting grape variety. It's both fun to drink on its own, but it's also gastronomic. It's got that minerality, the backbone, the structure. I think the si- for me, I always find, especially with, you know, because with with a dry um, ferment, you f- you really feel that acidity. Yeah. It's a really versatile grape variety. Yeah. Apart from the fact you can have it dried sweet, but, it's but you can have it. As well. You can it's have consistent. it stainless steel and keep it very very clean. Have it with you know all your shellfish or your you know just really light dishes. You can have it. You can have it aged with some batonage, The lees aged that's the natural yeast kind of being mixed up to, to add a bit of creaminess they can even put it in oak and of course now and there's also which obviously is not my my taste for dry ferment but there's the oxidized slightly styles there's the yeah i'm, I'm, I'm steering far away from absolutely those, yeah. i find they're very old-fashioned but ultimately it kind of just shows the versatility and it has a real pureness of fruit in terms that, of that, that green I've, apples grapefruit i really like it as well though is even when you do do those different styles you can still tell it's firm yeah not okay. this, i feel there's a lot of issues with a lot of regions i've had to talk about a lot lately not always just great varieties but regions and lacking that style and i would say one thing i'm doing a lot of tasting in hungary lately is you don't lack that mm-hmm. so the mad tokai regions have their own sort of style ferment has a very you, you can tell it's ferment it doesn't blend into being 
oh it could be this could be that yeah it's, it's quite distinctive it falls in line with a lot of grapes like Garvey Godello and that style of grape varietal yep. but it definitely is distinctive as well which I think is really important so it's, it's doing the right thing by creeping into a style that a lot of people want and like and this for me I mean I, if you look I don't know how this is being made um, <laughs> oh, John's getting very upset because I only poured so myself glass, that's because he literally had almost a full glass I can tell you haven't been a song and for a very long time he, no he always had a full glass and then two seconds later it, like there's yeah. nothing left in there so it's not about it's not about yeah he thinks wine is medicine which to be fair I suppose to a point it does have but ultimately how can I keep up with you when you drink that fast okay I'm not going to have any left it's a good job that you 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 can drink more you're keeping up fine today actually I'm noticing (laughs) yeah but we all remember back from season one episode four when uh, when I drank a little bit too much and it ended in it ended in tears it's it's a good job we've had a break now because you need to try to behave after that next few episodes which is like oh no I, I know that I can get drunk if I drink lots of big, rich Californian wines very quickly. So we, and then she behaves herself. Now we've had a break. Hopefully now she's going to become uh, indulge a bit more. And we can he wishes. I will always be sensible. This is thirteen percent, so we're we're okay. We're on board, which is actually nice as well, because again, a lot of whites can be a little bit less, and this just shows that you know we're but you don't feel the down, alcohol in there not, at all. Either. Not at all. Medium down the range, but it probably adds a little bit of extra weight and stuff. But I, I mean, what do you what do you what do you think of this? This was we've got we got this at, from Lathwaite's at thirteen ninety nine, I believe. About, selling, I think about I, that for twelve ninety. Was it 12 We're going to go for the middle. Uh, for me, it is such a great value wine at that price well, point. Well, the other thing I think from there is, again, the, the Hungary being good, you're not finding lots of cheap, cheap, nasty wine coming out of there mm. because they don't have the space or vineyards to do that. But what they are doing is quality, but for a good price. Um, and I, again, I do the mad uh, dry ferment, which I think is, is a bit more expensive. Mm. Say, and I would say it is a better ferment. But they're specialising more in the dry stuff. It's styles. more expensive though, as well. It is more expensive, time. yeah. But yeah. It, it, it's it, that's what I'm saying. This is a such this for but me. It, we're talking about three, four pound more. Yeah, re- but this is a really good introduction, and there's a little bit of weight on it. You have that for me, classic green apples, but not sour at all. Um, it's really uh, fruit driven. Board, borderline ripe, not quite. There, yeah, but exactly. But it's definitely not sour style, or yeah. baked or anything like that. It's a nice fresh green apple. I think that structure, the minerality coming through, but it's gentle. It's not like a piercing or. Yeah, aggressive. There's a, and there's something a little bit richer, like. Bit maybe even lemon peel, but none that I mean, for, um, ferment no, often has co- a, a lot more tannins as a white grape variety than others. But this it doesn't, you know, you, that's not what they're trying I think, to I think do. It's, I think it's the structure and body that's really picked it out. It's got a great structure, it's mm. lean, it's fresh, but it's, it's the, the palette lasts for a long time, so it's not overly complex. No. Definitely, you can find more complex styles again. You're going things like Mad uh, producer, but definitely go to a Shepshi where the pit is the acidity is even more pronounced, they need more time. What we're also finding is the releases of them tend to have a bit more age on them as well. So it's showing the grape really needs a bit of time. So I think 2015 is the latest release, or at least what you can buy from mm. uh, um, from uh, from Royal Tokai. And also and it just really shows same, as well yeah. that this is still so, so fresh. Yeah. This is four years old. And ultimately, there are so many grape varieties um, that, you know, if you don't drink them, you know, or wines that you're making, and even at the £10, £12 mark, if you're not drinking them in the first two years, they're really just going to fall off the edge. Yeah, so and this, it these does are not those quality, wines. These are wines that um, have got time The, the texture and the structure, so even more so than the fruit, the, the whole structure of the wine is, is so well made. But I, I, what I love about... Um, Hungary as well. I mean, it's so, it's so underrated. Their red wines as well um, that they they do are so they're, they're so juicy and so concentrated, and the, the value of the wines in comparison well, to what, what was interesting. I did I did a tasting lately with a buyer. Um, it was trying all different wines. Mm. Again, whites was definitely focusing on the ferment. It's definitely mm-hmm. become their great variety of champing. The talk is what's going to be the red grape. 
And what we're finding is, like everything, I think that they have got some very interesting red grape varietals, but yeah. they are on that line of difficult to pronounce, hard to keep your head around. You know, yeah. Ferment is one of the few Hungarian indigenous varietals that is easy to pronounce and is quite um, accessible. But what they are doing as well, you're looking at some producers who are producing some Pinot Noir, and it's phenomenal. Um, and that yeah, shows you a mentioned, really good didn't you? Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe it's Kovacs uh, Nimrod, which is a great last name for an English person to remember. <laughs> um, you can't forget that. Um, I tried his Pinot Noir as long as some of these other reds when I was at the tasting, and they were astounding. But you say I mean, that I mean, Slovenia as well is now, and Romania. Yeah. I started to get some. But I would say Bulgaria. But I would say I would say the step the Pinot Noir from what I tried from Hungary is step above. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm selling Slovenian wines. I love them. I've got some good ones, but the Pinot Noir I had from Nimrod was. Um, a prop, uh, I don't want to say prop, I'd say it's, it's in that good quality German and Burgundy class. Of, oh, really? I, I would put it in a Burgundy tasting. It'd be okay. interesting to see it compared. Um, I'm definitely looking at stocking them myself when I get my hands on them at some point, but they are, I think that's definitely, a, I, th- I think there's a little bit more, compared to those other regions that are doing really well and showing some really quality wine coming through them in that area, I think Hungary is a bit further ahead. Um, and I think the terroir Do you think is, that is the dessert wine? I think the knowledge, I think the knowledge of, out? well, I think they've always been growing other, other wine to drink within the nation anyway much like Romania mm-hmm. but I think they've been just more consistent with it and I think they're a little bit more in tune with their terroir um, and I think that's because of the due to the indigenous grape varieties I think they've been working with grapes they really know for so long while someone like Romania has probably been chopping and changing and trying to work that's out true. what it's, it's, it's fine I think Romania to me is still somewhere trying to find its tone of voice I think Hungary really already knows that and now it's trying to find the right way to express it. But you know, we talked about Tokai, we talked about MAD. Um, down in the south, a region I was mentioning to you earlier, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but Vilani. Vilani. Okay. Um, and they, I know, you know, down in the south, uh, they, they produce some really great Bordeaux varieties for sure, and I tasted some 100% Cabernet Franc. It was absolutely excellent. Um, but not a lot, again, it's not coming to the UK, a lot of it. Well, and that. I think, again, these, these, these smaller Eastern Bloc countries, again, like Slovenia, which is one I know mm-hmm. very well, what they're also very interesting is because they're borders, they border so many different countries, what you find is from this one small country, you end up with a lot of styles. Yeah. So Slovenia, you've got borderline with Austria, borderline with Italy, border with Croatia, so the styles are quite dictated, and they tend to find it's around these borders the wines will grow, not in the centre. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and actually, that's definitely with Hungary. And There's nothing Hungary really in the centre. I mean, well, for, not... for those elegant reds, I'm finding that it is a bit more centralised, which is like uh, Edgar, which is the region where... Um, I would call is. that central. Though. Which is not far but from Budapest, I don't think. It's not mm. it's closer as a wine region. It's closer. Okay. I wouldn't say it's. I don't think it's directly by, but it's definitely closer no, to Budapest than any of the other wine regions. It's more further north though than Budapest. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. it's north of Budapest, more centralised, but for a small country. Have you drunk any Bull's Blood recently? I have not. You're going to tell me more about Bull's Blood. You're so have you, have you heard? No, because I always remember it was one of my first introductions to wine. Because when I was working I, in Goodman's, I drink the blood of my victims. Ah, we had this wine, and it has a picture of a cow on it. It's black and white, and it, you know, it says it's, it says Bull's Blood. Now in Hungary, they call it Ika Bikave. I might be pronouncing it wrong, but, you know, anyway. Better than I can in Hungarian. I cannot do Hungarian. Um, And that's what the translation of of Bull's Blood is. But the the, the history and the thing that I love about it, obviously it's their kind of most famous red wine coming from Hungary, but it's... um, In the 16th century, the um, Hungarians were fighting the Turks. And they Who wa- wasn't in the 16th century? <laughs> we weren't. Um, I'm sure we were at some point. We thought everyone <laughs> But the funny thing was that the reason why it's called Bull's Blood is because the Hungarians won. And the reason they won the, the fight, this big 
you know, tremendous war that they were having was because the the um, Hungarians were drinking loads of red wine and they poured all the red wine over them. And so apparently, this is how the story goes, the Turkish got really, really scared because all these Hungarians came out with red all over them and they were convinced it was bull's blood. And for that reason, uh, that wine that comes from uh, yeah, that region has been named bull's blood. And that's actually the... Um, it's a good story. It's a it's good. Right. No, I think I it's like, a really. It's, I, I, I like a wine with a bit of a story. Um, but I mean, I, I, I just I think it's really juicy. I mean, now I think they've changed the varieties. Um, always it was mainly Kek Francos, um, but there was definitely some other varieties uh, mixed in. I think they've started making it a little bit more international. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, there's um, always that leaning as well, which I'm both pro and negative. I, I, I take. I would say the story of Angelo, which is why I think the Pinot Noir from Kovacs and Rolle is really interesting. Mm. Um, and the fact that quality of it is so high, because he's not only producing that, he's still producing all the indigenous varieties next to it, which are also superb, and I do recommend trying. Um, but what I think he's doing is very much similar to what the Angelo Gaia did with Barbaresco, which was mm -hmm. that he recognised that, unfortunately, if people don't understand the great Nebbiolo and don't know the region Barbaresco at the time, you have to find a way of prompting them, or at least people not within, you know, within the area that are in that knowledge. So he did Damaji which is the Cabernet Sauvignon. Do you know the story of Dimashi? No, no. So Andrew Gaia um, pulled up some of the Nebbiolo, realised he could plant Cabernet Sauvignon, which mm. at the time he had spent a lot of time in Bordeaux, had learned a lot about green harvesting and all these other elements from Bordeaux. Um, and so he decided that he needed to make a Cabernet Sauvignon along okay. with the Nebbiolo. And the but not a blend. Not a blend, no, no, separate. Just separate mm -hmm. To put it on the main stage. And, this okay. is, and it worked. It, put, it helped put Gaia on the main stage. It became mm. a big name that it is. It was already a big name at that point, but it's become what it is now, and it put Barbaresco on the map. Now, the name Dimaggi is um, a local dialect name. Basically, it means shame or oh, full really? shame. Oh, and it's what his father said when he watched him pull the um, Nebbiolo grapes Out. to plant the oh, Cabernet Sauvignon. And he said Dimaggi, uh, which is a phenomenal. I mean, most of the, all the names behind Gaia, if you don't know them, they've all got a great to tell you. Either, you either brings in a nickname of the old vineyard owner. He names one by over his, his daughter, doesn't he? His daughter and his grandmother, Gaia yeah, and Gaia. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, his yeah. Daughter, Gaia and Gaia, Gaia the Chardonnay, and his, right? And, well, his grandmother was also, if you don't know, was part of why Gaia, um, and, um, the, vine, uh, the vineyard is so famous. It's because the, uh, he basically, she basically was the one to start saying that he started doing the pricing higher and setting at this level and putting mm. them into being a, a premium wine brand. And she's the one who pushed it that. As a woman in that day and age taking over a business and running it the way she did and then obviously giving um, and then also helping tutor Angelo and his father before him in running the vineyard everyone she's, loves a wine well, you know, we just had women in wine day and stuff like that she's probably yeah. one of the original ones to really look at I always find that it's a really interesting one someone's done an article about it lately about the whole the women in wine thing which is I'm, I'm obviously as you know always very pro I almost find it's a bit of a, a negative why? Um, because I think the idea that we have to say there's one day for women in wine, where there is so... Ah, yeah. I think not only... It's how you want to... It's, no, but you know what? It's how you want to look I don't, at I don't it think, all... I think of all the trade... Especially when it comes to winemaking, I think there's hundreds of thousands of female winemakers out there. I don't feel it's mm -hmm. such a... I mean, I may be wrong. Hey, if you're a female winemaker, then you no, feel no, I'm no, wrong. No, you know, the tru no, I don't the tru think it's that, that clogged a field compared to some... Uh, I do. No, no, no. I do. No, I definitely do. I think it's very much like the chefing industry. It's always dominated by men. And I think you're also forgetting that in the UK, I think we're really, really lucky to be um, born in a country where we... I suppose I haven't thought about we, it from that factor. We, I, I, I um, definitely 
from being in the UK, you know, always felt really equal, felt great. And actually then working for a South American company and then get and traveling and being in uh, Argentina and Chile and Peru and Colombia and Mexico and actually doing a lot of travel around South I America. I, about it that way, I so met a lot of people and I've met a lot of wineries over there and actually recognized that women are, it's not that they're, they're not seen as equal, but it, you, you, women don't seem to have the same voice. It is still not. We're not there yet. And although I made a joke with my partner, like I don't, I don't need. We didn't do anything special. I didn't get any flowers. Damn him! No, I didn't. I didn't. We didn't do anything because I don't need that recognition on that day. But it's nice to talk about. It's nice to have fun, and it's nice to, to, real, I like, to I like, utilize it. I like discussion, to but I, I've, talk. And I haven't read the full article, mind. and it's from someone who I know who put it out. But um, it was a, a female talking about it. Mm. In the, I think from Canada. I have, again, I need to read the full article before I start putting words in my own, my own mouth or anything <laughs> else. I think point, they're pointing out the fact that we still need a day like that is a negative. I think you can look at everything in both sides. I, yeah, was, no, exactly. I was making a joke saying, you know, um, uh, the boyfriend says to me, you get a day, why don't I get a day? And I said, you know what, you've had thousands and thousands yeah, but that's, that's of like, decades of your of that's, days. That's like, the, it, that's like the, the really stupid argument people go, they go, oh, people of X race get to have a march, why don't we? Because we oppress them for thousands of years. Let, a, let them know, have a, know, a march, don't and, argue and, about and that's you know, and it's, it's how you stupid. want to do it. You don't have to go around. So, you know, in some countries, and again, UK does not embrace International Women's Day the way other, like, um, where, like Eastern Europe, Europe does, for instance. I remember one one International it's, Women's it's, Day. It's they had that, that guy come out in Italy, didn't he, doing that horrible, well, the, the, the right wing part of, because the Italian government at the moment, again, if you don't know, the Italian government are coming after the Five Star Movement, who mm. are a, are meant to be this liberating group of uh, government who are going to be very more on the socialist scale and be much more freeing to the young and meant to be creating jobs and, and making a hash of it and to get into government they teamed up with the far right wing of Italian government because they did kind of agree a bit on the immigration policy mainly they blame immigrants for everything because <laughs> as we know currently in our own politics blaming immigrants for everyone's problems is a much quicker answer it's than quicker, actually solving a problem yeah. um, and with along with that well, they, one of the right-wing guys came out saying, going, oh, for the International Women's Day, the whole post was women should be accepting of, should be happy with their, basically saying, like, women should be happy to be women, mothers of families, at home, looking after people. Like, I'm just, pretty sure like, that's kind was, of the absolute it was opposite. Like a, it was like a 1930s, 40s Oof. view of, well, no, 40s women were working in factories to make weapons. So probably 1950s, 30s view of what a woman is supposed to be but what I would say and very interesting I was in Poland um, quite a few years back but during International Women's Day at that point I genuinely didn't know what International Women's Day was because in the UK we really don't make a big deal out of it and what was actually lovely when I discovered it was that men were walking around with all these flowers and women were being given roses constantly like, okay that's really really pretty but actually what I really appreciate being back in the UK is the reason I don't think we pay attention to this day as much as in other countries is because we are far more forward to the fact that we see equality so much more that we don't feel we need yeah. to put a day on it. And perhaps, say as an example, in Poland, they, they kind of realise, oh yeah, we, we, we still think that we are better than that, blah, 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 blah. And so they're kind of treating their women for the one day. Yes, so it's it, just it, an interesting... It's just interesting yeah. different countries take it. Like, I get in a lot of, I would say, I don't want to say more westernised, but more modern forward-thinking, mm. more equal, equalitarian mm -hmm. countries. Mm -hmm. We look at it as, oh, this is a day for women to celebrate their independence. Yeah. While in countries like 
I don't want to point any countries out, but countries <laughs> that were coming point into that. Point them out, point them out. Yeah, well, Poland or other countries that where there's still a more a more masculine feel to countries or, no, or I mean, more separation. There is there is this there is this there is this separation where it's that. a case of it's oh this is a day for us to celebrate our women, not a day for women to celebrate their independence. Yeah, okay, and that, that's and a big, that, but that's, that's a, big a slight problem. But you know, either way, I still love it. I think so my point I, is I don't, I don't have an issue with the day. My point was I think it's a sad fact we still have to have a day where like oh look at women in wine because to me there's so many female winemakers out there who I follow and like I don't have that thing of oh she's great because but you know she's what? a female winemaker do you know what she's, you're, she's the problem is uh, well the problem is not you you're, you're, you're not the problem and that's why you can't see it unfortunately there are lots of men that are still not open to complete equality and like oh woman winemaker and that is just simply for instance why we put out on our Instagram recently you know five really good uh, women winemakers or not wine, oh, no, women, yeah, women no, in no, wine that we well, no exactly so. that we that we thought that are actually worth recognising, not because we need to recognise them, but you know what? It's about just keep on, this is a perfect opportunity to push out the message that there are women doing equal things and even better things I at think, time, I and it's just I great always, to recognise What I always it. worry about is that, that social justice warrior trap of what people, what people fall into is going, oh look at these great winemakers, these great, in a way you can also become negative and go, if you, you always bang on about it in the case of, um, oh look at these five great female winemakers. Mm. And I'm saying this, I, I completely see why in other countries that needs to develop to that point that it needs to be pushed, while yeah. I think somewhere in the UK doesn't, is that you then have people who are in that circle of pretending to be SJWs or that other bullshit, which I, I can't stand, and all the political bullshit correctness, okay. is what you're not recognising is, you no, know, these are five great winemakers. The fact that they're whether they're female or this or that or this. And I've seen it in other countries where there's been issues with racism, where I've seen wines like, look, we had the first black winemaker, mm. or we had the first this. Like... How about not going? Hey, he was the first this color winemaker. Just he was the first winemaker. Mm. I'm not saying you have to ignore what his color was or this, but it's, it's a big issue we have even in the UK now. But it, which it, a lot of things. It's, 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 you it's know having what? to name that. And again, it's the well, exactly, exactly. But you, you sometimes you know you think, do, do we really have to make a big I deal? I say this is a white if privilege male. I actually have oh, no say in this. But I'm, should, I'm do we have to comment? <laughs> do we have to push it um, because maybe we're okay? But at the same time, the fact that people still make a big deal out of it means that there is still oh, there's a problem. There is well, still room, and it's not. Fully there, yeah, I feel like it's know? a generation believing that we didn't have any of these problems anymore. Like I, I think I got to a weird naivety in life into the last four or five years ago where I thought that racism, sexism had pretty much gone. Mm. Only to learn the last four or five years, I think there's so many of the have that unfortunately there's still a hell there's of a, a lot hair, of it. Yeah. And it's just been bubbling we, under a surface. You also have to remember we live in the London bubble. No, no, I don't and think. I don't think, the, London, London, I think no, the, the London bubble, everyone seems to get along, and we're all okay, no matter who we love, no matter what think, we look like, and no matter the colour of our skin. That's not even so true because there's plenty of videos being posted of unfortunately angry white people and not always men and a lot of some women having a go at people for being immigrants and some oh, trains. You know what? We might be on our period. Okay, I just think we also you have to yeah hey, you, 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 you are too, you are okay? you are a white the, just, male. Just because you don't see the blood, that's what we go through. <laughs> Didn't um, have to mention that, but either way, you never know how we're feeling. Oh God, just uh, that. Thank that. Thank God, I have the wine. It's what gets the, me the, the, that's where the like the territory man from said, "You don't know what you're feeling yourself." Sort of bullshit. But, it's, uh, <laughs> but no, I think that I think that it's it's one thing. But I also I'm a big believer in we have to talk about it. So I think that hiding these facts away. And it's really if you what I really worry about now is we see on the what is meant to be the more liberal side of conversation now, where it's meant to be the people who are meant to be friendlier to freedom of speech, meant mm -hmm. to be friendlier to. Uh, people's issues and problems is now speech has been shut down 
which is that, oh, you don't agree with X, Y, and Z, oh, you can't talk. Well, no, but if you don't... You, of course you would feel like that. My God, can you imagine if someone tried to shut, shut you up. down? Um, actually, You're I'm, not afraid you know of hurting no, anyone's and feelings. And Teeth haven't come after me, no, Peach haven't come after me, none of these people so far, which I find hilarious. But my point is that so I think far. that you, you can't prove a racist wrong by telling them they can't speak. You can only prove a racist wrong if you debate them. No, and the same with a sexist or something like you know, If you have a man going, oh, well, men are superior because of X. You can only try to say to them, well, you're wrong because of X, Y, and Z. If you just shut them down, they just bubble under a surface. Mm. And what we've seen already is that these people have, they've not changed their views, they've just felt they can't speak. And so now what's happened is the minute that someone allows them to speak, they speak quite loudly and quite horribly. Or when they can do it through the internet without their name being thrown around, or they think they can get away with it. So I think that there is definitely more conversation has to be around all these subjects. Again, and women want to make reasons to speak about this. Do we still need to have it? And if we do need to have it, why do we still need to have it? And then you see people's counter and plus arguments. Every country will be completely different, so it'll be really interesting to But your perspective, what I didn't even think of, is that I'm only thinking, again, from my London wine mm. bubble, but mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking of how does women in wine affect women in a country where they're not necessarily seen as equal. No, as, for sure. As I'm not necessarily for winemakers, but women and men. I'm mm-hmm. saying, I think the wine world, again, I still think is more inclusive. Yeah. I haven't found that many chauvinistic male winemakers. I've found some but very few yeah. but I think the wine community is quite tight but I do realise that maybe in say a country like Chile where just because the winemakers take the female winemaker seriously doesn't mean that the wider public or wine drinking public do and that's a real issue because again this will be around uh, I think for a long time and regardless of what people think I just think I actually personally think it's a nice example you know I on International Women's Day you know how we celebrated I bought a bottle well it was it was, it was in the local Sainsbury's uh, 2008 vintage um, uh, Verve Clicquot and we say, went I was saying you wanted to give you a blowjob then you went to sleep two minutes after no, no <laughs> none of that that, that, would, have been, that, that would be ironically funny though like thanks <laughs> <laughs> no we did it the sophisticated way <laughs> and we drank um, some Verve Clicquot but nice vintage which was not bad obviously in, if anyone who's interested in the 2008 you can get it from Sainsbury's for £40 I think you can get it in quite a few of the um, s- supermarkets it's delicious the acidity's there the minerality it really really fresh but super super young so right now actually I would highly advise buying it and then leaving it but oh, wait, it will def- 2008 it will definitely evolve it's going to be really really good but obviously there's not even any honeyed too much toastiness yet it's you, it's there you, well, if you want to you can buy a better grower champagne or English yes you can but listen reme- remember the reason I'm mentioning Sorry, I'm it up our sponsorship from Verve no if it is Madame Clicquot of course you know exactly Le so, Grand Dame so if you don't know Dame, the, the, the great story again another a famous woman in wine from centuries back the, the entire point of Sapage and Champagne comes from Madame Verve Clicquot Rosé Champagne comes yep. from her she used to give a, basically give away bottles to the French soldiers you know so when they're running away they had something to drink um, and what happened as they as they rode away on their horses from her vineyard, probably because they were scared of her, you know, French soldiers, woman, they probably couldn't She fight. was a hard, hard woman. Hard woman. woman. Um, yes. They would knock the top of the bottles off of the sabre, apparently, I'm sure they never that did. That sounds very Which cool. Which would happen like once. Um, <laughs> and then the, the champagne would spurt out, and that was a, a homage to her, which I'm pretty sure if I was her and I spent all that time making that champagne and riddling it by hand, and then some bastard just wasted it on his horse as he 
pissed off with a sword, I'll be angry. Well, but, um, I don't know. The fact that she has it all dedicated to her, but this woman was effectively the, the what they consider actually probably the first international um, businesswoman of the world, and it happens to be in the wine world. And she was at a time where she was took over a business when women weren't even allowed Verve, bank accounts. Yeah, I mean, and, come on. And Verve was actually means madam, uh, widow, doesn't it? Yes, yes Verve means widow. Yeah. So she renamed, and I actually don't know what it was called before, but she took her husband's. Oh, was, what was Clico, it called? It was something Clico, and I think what, that maybe Domain Clico or something. She it to Verve Clico, she Widow, the widow, the widow Clico. Clico, which was she, she, you know, she took it. Everyone said, "Don't do it." She did it anyway, and she turned it into a multi-million-pound business. And I mean, 200, 200 years later, it's still going strong. It's not necessarily my favourite. And favorites. we still need to watch idiots trying to sapage giant bottles of champagne and smashing them on the internet, thanks to her. <laughs> so she's also created many memes and many fail videos. So yeah, we have a lot. So to we, thank we her thank her very much. So for International Women's Day, we thank her terribly. So no, it's it's why I just I like the opportunity just to mention some wonderful women. No, why not? I, again, I'm not. I'm, you, I've yeah. never been to an exit. I've done lots of tastings. I mean, I remember last year doing. Um, Women from Yarra Valley was one mm-hmm. of the best tastings I've actually done in the last few years. Women in Yarra Valley. And that was yeah. a really, also because you, you, not only because of their experiences, but also, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are leading winemakers. It wasn't like, you know, the girl for who's the daughter of the owner turning up with the wine. It was literally the winemakers who made the wine. Yeah. Uh, vastly different, obviously Australian, so they were very timid, didn't say much, didn't really speak their mind, obviously. You know, Australian women, very reserved. <laughs> um, and it was just great hanging around with them and talking to them. They were really cool, and they, um, but also talking about the difference in the seasons, the naturality, and I think the fact is, when you talk to a real wine, uh, to a winemaker, I say real, like you know, there's some people that are playing at it. When you talk to a real winemaker, it doesn't matter whatever gender, wherever you are, their knowledge in the deepness of the terroir, the history, the weather, you know, they'll be able to say, oh, 20 seasons ago, before I was even born, or whatever, they'll go so far back, you know, this is exactly what it was like, this was the heat, this was this, this is the effect it had on it. You know, they understand and know their land, you know, they're part of it, and that's, that's the most important part. Well, I think we should cheers with our cheers. beautiful um, ferment wine. We to for topic amazingly, so we totally did, but that, this is exactly what's going to happen. I think every filter episode that we do. Um, thank you for listening filter, to filler. us. <laughs> oh, filter! <laughs> I filtered it. I renamed it. Who knows what it's going to be named by the time that uh, Jonathan gets his hands on the editing? Um, cheers, Jonathan. Thank you for your opinions. Thank you for the wine, and uh, see us again on the next episode. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank <laughs> you.